Welcome to Sports Beat Live Week 13 Post Game Edition. As we just watched the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Denver Broncos 22 to 9 for their 15th, excuse me, their 12th straight win over the division rival, fifth straight win of the season. I am joined by my esteemed colleagues, columnist Sam Mellinger. And of course, my esteemed beat reporter partner, Sam McDowell. How you doing, Sam? <laughs> Sunday night games, right? <laughs> we got a lot to, well, we don't have a lot to unpack here, but we do have some things to get into from drop passes to Mahomes posting a career low, 57.3 passer rating to a 20 play drive that we got to talk about that the Chiefs, you know, held back the Broncos. Lots to get through here, but Melling, Melly, what was one of the biggest things that stood out to you from this game? Um, I mean, at the risk of just like kind of oversimplifying, I think that the defense continues to dominate, which I, I I'm not surprised. I, I, I expected that. I, I didn't expect to dance once and pick six. I'm not saying that, but I expected the Broncos to not score very many points. And then the offense continuing to underwhelm. And it's kind of the same stuff, right? Like drops, we counted five, is that right? Including one that bounced off of Tyreek's hands um, for an interception. Uh, some of Mahomes' passes aren't as accurate as, as we're used to seeing, including that interception off Tyreek Hill's hands. Um, so it's just, it's a weird thing that they're a team that wins ugly and wins with defense now. Um, you know, if you had to bet, you would bet on the MVP Super Bowl winning quarterback and all that talent catching on but you know it's december you know and, and we're still waiting to see it consistently yeah and you you mentioned some of those drop passes you mentioned dan Sorensen, and sam i know you wrote a story on dan Sorensen. what stood out to you the most about his game tonight especially everything that he's gone through this year well what stood out to me the most is he does not read mellinger's column about him being benched <laughs> Um, doesn't read anything, uh, is not on social media, even as his uh, teammate in the defensive backfield is all over social media, Dan Sorensen stays away from it. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a nice narrative that he made a big play tonight, um, but that's just it. He made a big play. You know, the, the Chiefs' defensive turnaround coincided with Dan Sorensen not playing as much and with Juan Thornhill playing enough. And Juan Thornhill also had an interception tonight. Um, I think that the role Dan Sorensen's in, though, he does have a role in this defense. And it's the role he's play, played tonight, where he's not the deep line back safety. He's a guy who was assigned to cover a running back on an all-out blitz and instinctively saw that running back um, help in pass protection. So he decided to go somewhere else and make a play. And that was covered the underneath route. Now, Ben Neiman got a hand on the ball, but Dan Sorensen did have that route covered that he was that Teddy Bridgewater was thrown to anyway. And um, then I just think Dan Sorensen ran all the anger out of himself um, on that play. Got uh, to Teddy Bridgewater and um, Tim Patrick just bowled off of both of those guys. So um, really good play for him. He just did not want to play along whatsoever uh, with, with the narrative that happened tonight with him, though. It's a fantastic point that you bring up that the defensive rise over the last few weeks has coincided with the Chiefs going to Juan Thornhill. And as most people remember, that happened way back in week six. So when you're looking at a span of five or six games, 
you know, it's Thornhill back there. And Sorensen, Sam, you bring up a good point. He's not being exposed to some of the plays that we saw a lot at the beginning of the year. You know, the one-on-ones, the mismatches that you saw with Stephon Diggs or even that that tight end that had Tyron Matthew going. So we're not seeing a lot of that, and he does have a role. But, but Melly, what, what was your biggest takeaway from Sorensen's uh, post-break, post-game presser with us? Um, I don't know. Do, do I have to have a big, a big takeaway? <laughs> yeah. um, You're able to call him about him. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like he's just sort of – he is who he is, you know, and I think that he's he's steady and he'll be defiant. Um, you know, he's never been a super, like, introspective interview, right? Um, but I think McDowell put it really well that, like, it's not, you know, kick him to the curb. It's just – stop letting him be in deep coverage against guys who are faster than him. And, you know, he, as, as a blitzing linebacker, as like a, a, a nickel linebacker, I think he can be a really effective player, um, you know, covering backs out of the backfield and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, if, if that's the role he has going forward, I mean, he's always been a good backup. You know, the times that he struggled is when he gets exposed as a starter. It happened, um, the years kind of mix up, but it happened one year that Eric Berry missed basically an entire season and Sorensen was in that role and he just, you know, he got exposed. So, um, you know, like McDowell said, I don't think it's a coincidence that the defense took off when he got benched. And I also don't think it's coincidence that his teammates reacted the way that they reacted when he had that play. I mean, that, that, that's a group that knows that that guy has been through it and they're close and they are, are happy for their friend um, to have a big moment like that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of stuff that happens on defense, and tonight we saw it again. Andy Reid even said, it's a beautiful thing to see. You know, this defense, in my opinion, is carrying this Chiefs team. It's the complete opposite of what we've seen over the last couple of years, where it's Patrick Mahomes. Why do we think this is happening, and why weren't these offensive issues that popped up again tonight against the Broncos fixed during the bye week? Well, to answer the first thing about the defense, you know, I think the defense has been completely different since it developed a pass rush. Everything's easier when the quarterback has less time to make the decisions. Um, And the pass rush has been solved for multiple reasons. Frank Clark is healthy um, and also playing, you know, I I didn't see a ton of Frank Clark tonight, but on the whole, when you look at the five game win streak, he's playing better than even when he's been healthy the last two years with the Chiefs. It's also allowed Chris Jones to be at the right position and Melvin Ingram's addition, I think, has made a big impact. You know, I, I was skeptical of Melvin Ingram's addition because he came from Pittsburgh, and at that time, Pittsburgh was two games ahead of the Chiefs in the standings and and considerably or could have considered the fact that the Chiefs would be a team they, they would have to fight for for playoff positioning. And I thought, you know, if, if the Steelers are willing to give that guy up to an AFC competitor, he must not have a whole lot left. And he does have a lot at least enough to help this defense in a very particular role, which is they needed size. You know, they, they needed that position, but they also needed, you know, a, a guy that could bowl over some people. And Melvin Ingram made the first two plays of the game tonight. And it set the tone for the entire game for the defense. And I just think as a whole, that unit's been completely different since the, the four up front have played significantly better. I just piggyback on that a little bit too, is it that, um, you don't see midseason additions make this big of an impact very often. And, and he's doing a lot on his own, but it has freed up the other guys a lot too. I mean, it coincided with 
okay, now Chris Jones can be inside a little bit more where, where he's been more effective. And, and Frank Clark got healthy and strong kind of at that same time. And he's just sort of like lifted that whole group up front. That's been, that's been remarkable to see. Brian Johnson just posted there in our comments section there, Patrick Mahomes plays tentative and seems to lack confidence. You two have written a lot about Mahomes here, and you've dove deep into the numbers of what's, what's going on here on third down, what's going on and what he's seeing. Would you agree with Brian's assessment there? In your opinion, from what you're seeing, does he look like he's, he's playing tentative and, and seems to lack confidence? Well, I, I don't think that he lacks confidence. I mean, I, I could see him adjusting his play because the way the defense is playing, there's less of a need to take chances. He's talked about changing the calculus of his throws based on, on situation. Tonight was certainly a night where he did not need to take any chances whatsoever. And the Broncos never looked like they were going to be a threat to, to make this a game with the way their offense was playing. Um, I didn't think he had a great game tonight. Um but my God, I mean, his receivers could have not have provided him less help. Uh, Travis Kelsey dropped a pass that almost was a fumble. The Broncos thought it was enough of a fumble to challenge it. And apparently Mike Brable, the, the Titans coach, was was on social media just ripping the fact that it was not called a fumble. Um, Tyreek Hill dropped a pass that was a turnover for an interception. He dropped another ball as well. Um I don't know if Herbie, now that you're the host, I'm allowed to mention Byron Pringle's mistakes, but he dropped two passes <laughs> in, in the screen of three plays. Um, so, I mean, he, he got no help from his receivers. And then you've got other guys like McCole Hardman's not playing much. Um, Gordon's on the field a lot and just seems to be a ghost when he's out there. So he's got to get some help at some point from, from the guys who are paid to help him out. Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, tentative at all. But I think frustrated a lot yeah. is, is the word that I would use. And I think that it looks tentative maybe because he's not taking as many deep shots, but he's not taking as many deep shots because of the defenses that they're that they're facing. And I think that is frustrating him, not just that he has to go chunk by chunk, right, and, and have 12 play drives instead of four, but then really frustrated when some of those would be 12 play drives and because his guys are dropping – what should be kind of easy passes. Um, you can understand why he's frustrated. Yeah, on that point there, they are coming off of a bye. And Vahe, since Vahe Gordon has now just joined the show, I'm, I'm going to toss this question to you, Vahe, since you know, you're, you're joining us here. Uh, how surprising is it that this Chiefs offense had this kind of performance and they had extra time to prepare for the Denver Broncos? I and mean, they're just coming off of a bye week and then, you know, it, it looked like the same Chiefs offense that we've seen because hot and cold, inconsistent. Yeah, that's how it felt to me. Uh, first, can I, can you guys hear me okay? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, it had that same vibe to me. Uh, I thought we would see it be a little more crisp. Um, you know, I don't know how many games in a row this has been or how many weeks out of like the last five or six games, but score on the first drive for the touchdown. And that's kind of the highlight of the night. Um, so I hope, uh, I, I hope they, they have some, uh, some remedies that they can do on the fly. I, I suppose it's encouraging that they're about to play a team. They scored 41 points on uh, a couple weeks ago. And I think that that, uh, you know, it'll be telling if they can't generate a little more against this team next week at home after what they did to them in Las Vegas.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, look, I, I can, you guys were saying this right, right as I came on, but I mean, I cannot get past the drop passes. And look, there, there's a reasonable question to be asked, I think, about some of the velocity on some of these passes and, and um, you know, having the right touch also dealing with the wind as uh as um sam mellinger noted with the goalposts like practically swaying into the stands tonight it was it was a little little bit funny and i think um we we think about that in terms of the quarterback but that's not easy on the receivers either uh trouble is that's been a pattern all season and i just can't i really can't figure it out i don't know why uh, let's just stick with the the main the main people um, that we've seen be really uh, just unbelievable for the last few years. That that there's something in the rhythm um, of the connection that's just just off one way or another. I mean, there's great bursts and great moments, but not that kind of dependability that we've really seen for so long. Um, armchair psychology. Um, here's a theory. Like the best talk- kind. Yeah, right. We talk a lot about the quarterback feeling pressure. And you know, kind of pressing in some areas, and I wonder if something similar could be at least a theory with Hill and Kelsey. Defenses are back, more yards for you know, uh, more room for yards after catch. I just wonder, you know, is that a half second or less than a half second that Tyreek and Travis are just you know, sort of not watching it into the tuck, as they say, and trying to get upfield before they have the ball? Just something I wonder about it. Just you know, I don't, the, the dots are there to be connected. I don't know if they're there to be connected. Like, you know, I don't know if that's the solution or not, but that would make sense to me as an, as an explanation. Well, listen, I mean, I, I think it's totally fair to suggest that uh, we don't talk about it very much with receivers, do we? I, but but at, at every skill position in every sport, the psychology of it is huge. And so I can't imagine that this kind of thing doesn't, doesn't, you know, play games, play havoc with you, especially if you've basically never had a period of not being successful. And so it's funny, all a, a lot of these guys we're, we're, we're seeing go through that in some ways for the first time, right? You know, earlier this year, 
um, Eric Bieniemy, whenever they're like, having the turnover issues, particularly the fumbles, Eric Bieniemy in one of his Thursday press conferences said, you can't t- constantly just tell a guy not to fumble because all he's going to think about when he has the balls, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble. Every wide receiver on this team knows the job number one is just to catch the ball. And I do wonder if it's gotten to the point where it's talked about so much. I mean, X screw, screw out. Uh, it's been talked about the fact that they know that the ball, that Tyree kill knows that he's dropped three passes now that have wound up being interceptions. And Travis Kelsey's knows, knows he's done it once this year too. And at what point does that part of, does that become, you know, in your head too much? And that goes to a little bit what, what Sam's saying, but also I just think it's another layer that it's one of those mistakes that I think tends to compound. It's kind of hard to, to, to just completely stop it in its tracks at some point. All right, I think I'm back on your – at least we, have, we know the bye week didn't fix my Wi-Fi issues at Arrowhead. We good to go? Y'all – everybody got me? Yeah, <laughs> it's so slow. Hey, y'all talked about the psychology of drop pass. So let's talk about psychology of taking the will of a team. Broncos go on a 20-play drive that it took up like almost 11 minutes in the second quarter, and the Chiefs get the ball back from down. As you guys are sitting in the press box, and I'm over here listening to y'all, how, how impressive was that to you to see the Chiefs? Even though they were on the field a long time, the Broncos didn't get any points there, and was that the turning point of the game? Well, I, I thought – go ahead, Sam. Well, um, from what I gathered, Herbie, um, I, I think that if there was going to be a turning point in the Broncos' favor, like that drive, that would be the drive we were talking about. If this game was close late, we would, I think we would say that's why, because a 20-play, 11-minute drive, um, I think, could change a game. And so I don't know if, if, it, if it gave the Chiefs momentum as it – prevented the Broncos from having any sort of chance. I, I felt like after the game, after that play, though, that when Jaron Reed and Willie Gay completely busted through the line and, and tore up that that fourth down call, I thought the game was over. And it was what? I mean, a, a, it was one possession game at that point. Was it still, what, 10-3 at that point? I, I think it was 10-3. Um, so I, I felt, that, I, I felt that, that that drive ended the game. I don't – you guys, I don't remember – Maybe maybe it's happened a few times, but I don't remember a twenty play drive ever, and I don't remember a double digit time uh, on a drive. I mean, uh, on one hand, I can count it at the most. I mean, you know, eight and nine minute drives are really long drives, and they basically took the whole second quarter. And then I think uh, this is interesting because you guys have a little of that rambling, gambling, uh, analytics uh, mindset in here, but I think all of us in the press box really thought. They should kick a field goal there um, because you just can't come away, come away from that drive with nothing. And, you know, it was one, one time too many on going for it on fourth down on that series. I thought hundred percent they should have kicked it just for that exact reason. You got to get something in that situation. Um, and, and Matt Derrick looked this up and I, I don't know if it was the last time, but a time that a team had a 20 play drive um, without points, was against the Chiefs, and it was 2016. The Carolina Panthers actually punted at the end of a 20-play drive, and I think 2016 against the Panthers that lines up as the Marcus Peters punt game. I believe. 
<laughs> Which gives us one more opportunity to mention the story that came out of the Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that was a that was a a good thing to hang your hat on, um, but but look, I I think that uh, uh, that's part of what I think we were all sort of taking notice of here too, and and I think we can we can debate this maybe without knowing it, we've debated it in the different things we've written, um, you know, we kind of grudgingly came to feel better and better about this defense for a couple of weeks. Like, okay, they, they shut out the Titans in the second half, you know, big deal. And they held the giants to 17, the Packers without Aaron Rodgers too much. But this is what I would say is a, a pattern at this point. And um, I, again, you can quibble about who you played, but when week in week out, you're keeping teams under 20 points uh, that that seems to be a corner turned, and it's not just the numbers, right? I think we we can see in the way this defense plays that it's it's a fundamentally different defense, just with some some tweaks in personnel, with uh, some emergences of, of of a couple players. I think a little more aggressiveness that goes with the trust that Spagnolo seems to have. It's it's as Andy Reid said, uh, it was beautiful to watch. Um, probably just in contrast to the offense, but. Um, I, I, do you guys feel sort of sold on this defense at this point? Because I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the question becomes, uh, is the formula the Chiefs have right now, which has been the formula of, I think, probably four of their last five wins when you take out the Vegas game, um, how far can that formula get them? You know, if, if this offense gets – I think the, the offense is going to be better than what it was tonight. But we've only seen that Vegas version, what, once in six weeks now? When what you happened in Vegas stayed in Vegas. <laughs> Did you write that tonight? I uh, wrote it a couple of days ago. It didn't work then either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's the, you know, that they're still, they still, they, they, they beat the Broncos tonight. They still have a one game lead over the Chargers, which I still think is their toughest competition, the AFC West, mostly because the Chargers already have the win. They have the tiebreaker, and they get the Chiefs at home on a short week flying out to the West Coast. That's probably the most difficult game on the Chiefs' schedule left. If the Chargers win that game, they're in the driver's seat to win the AFC West. So I think the question becomes is can this formula that the, the Chiefs have produced for these last five weeks, um, how far can it get them? Can they win the AFC West with this formula, the way their defense has been playing, but also the way their offense has been playing? non-rhetorical yeah i mean i think they can win the division doing this but it's it hasn't been about winning the division for quite some time and i i just i it's hard for me to imagine them sort of winning ugly their way to a super bowl um i, I just think that everything this team does like every decision they make football and otherwise is based around what's what's good for the quarterback and what's good for the offense and it's just hard for me to imagine, you know, sort of a 2016-ish Chiefs offense, you know, being dragged to a Super Bowl um, by this defense as, as well as they're playing. They're just going to need Mahomes to be Mahomes at some point. I just I feel like we're running out of weeks to see that. I had a, a text during the game from uh, my friend and friend of the show, Michael McCambridge, saying he was uh, – not ready to get used to Marty ball again. 
I sort of envisioned at some point during this game, like Randy Kovitz watching this game and being like, this is the team I used to cover in the uh, in the 1990s for that reason. <laughs> I can almost hear Randy. I got special teams. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry Looper, there's a lot of Marcus Peters kind of crap show games, and that one in the Meadowlands was not the one that we're talking about. He actually punted the ball into the stands. But anyway, go ahead, Sam. Um. Well, obviously, you know, I mean, the Chiefs have two more division games coming up. I, I think these next two division games, you know, if, if the Chiefs can get by the Raiders next week and then that short week against the Chargers, I think they'll win the AFC West. But as, as Melly mentioned, this team's goals are much beyond just, just winning the division and getting to the playoffs. And also the AFC has shown itself over these past, what, month that it's up for grabs as much as it's been. I mean, there's not another team in the AFC West that, or the AFC itself that I think should terrify the Chiefs about playing them. And so if the Chiefs can get the offense figured out, I think we all think that this team can finish where it finished the last two years. But as Melly said, we're in week 13 now. And we're not talking as, you know, what was funny about Mahomes tonight is for like three or four weeks, I think he had, he had been saying, you know, it's still early in the season. And it was like week 10 that he was saying it's still early, <laughs> season. Hear it's still early in the season tonight. Instead, we heard, I've been saying this every week. And it was finally acknowledgement that this is the same story that it, it's been in week 11 and week 10 and week nine. And if they haven't figured it out, I, I think, you know, to use his line in the offseason, at some point, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Yeah. You know, Sam, you said this in as many words, Sam McDowell, but just to, to the point you made a moment ago, I mean, the Patriots have a game tomorrow night, but there's four teams tied at eight and four at the top of the AFC now. Yeah. And, um, if you were to ask uh, ask around, uh, which team would these teams fear the most? I, I dare say the Chiefs would still be the one that that the people would would think of the ceiling uh, of the Chiefs more than more than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, well, Herbie's trying to get back in, so I think that's a great time to uh, to wrap this up. <laughs> So um, we will be back. Thank you guys for all your comments, as always. It always helps us facilitate this show. We will be back Friday to uh, preview the, the Raiders game. And uh, until then, appreciate your, you guys all watching. Thanks, Sam and Vahe, for joining.